Unfederated, a podcast for freelancers hosted by a brother and sister who are polar opposites, but have found a way to make a living doing what they love. Hey, Rob. How's it going over there? Pretty good. Nothing weird. Nothing weird at all. <laughs> I just, uh, I mentioned earlier off this podcast earlier, I, the doorknob broke as I was coming into the door for my home office and I did not put two and two together that that meant I was locked in. So yes. I just, I so just saddle got up people. We're here for the, for yep. the long haul. I'm going to filibuster this podcast. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so this is our second in the series of when your emergency find yourself in a situation where you're freelancing all of a sudden and you didn't necessarily expect it. So last uh, week we talked about um, the things that you really need to do in the first day or two um, to get the balls rolling and get to a point where you can start. Um, you know, the goal is to actually make money as soon as possible because you have family and bills and you may have just gotten laid off or um, any other uh, iteration of events beyond your control. So this is after you've done everything in the last podcast uh, episode, you get to kind of um, buckle up and do all the things we're going to talk about in this one. Yeah, that's right. Last week, we kind of talked about uh, creating that foundation that you need to uh, start a business. I mean, largely. And so I think this episode's all about now rocking and rolling, uh, getting in the, in the driver's seat and, and making some stuff happen. And so I, Sarah, it's, it's probably fair to say this is not day two, but probably, uh, day two through 10 or, or something along those lines. Totally. Yeah. Day one, um, we tried really hard to, to keep, you know, to talk you past the quagmires. I think Rob, you and I both fell into and most people do when you know the productivity killers you just hit the high notes get the things you absolutely need to get done get done don't start building a website <laughs> yeah and waste two days on on that one thing yeah yeah and from my experience of of being in and you know seasons like this in the past i usually have a couple days worth of I've pissed off and adrenaline to, to, to work out of my system. And so I can get a lot done in those couple of days. And then at some point you probably are going to hit a little bit of a lull where, where the sobering reality of, of your uncircum, uh, your unfortunate circumstances kind of hit. And, and so I, I think it's reasonable to, to make a little space for that in this. Um, we've, we've covered our bases with the last episode. And so, now it's just a matter of, of getting to your marathon pace more so than your sprint. And so anyways, um, as we round home and are around third and headed into home of the long haul, what are, what are some things we need to be thinking about, Sarah? Sure. Well, I think, um, making sure to your point, it's very reasonable to have emotions and surprise and, and just negative feelings if if this is something that was thrust on you in any way other than you just proactively choosing it. And so you want to give time for that to, to kind of dissipate enough before you start marketing yourself because you certainly don't want to come across... Um, I don't want to sound too Colorado hippie, but you don't want to bring that kind of energy into your marketing. That's right. <laughs> but, ooh, crystals. Get some good crystals. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, you know, it's true. That's not the place from which you want to uh, start this because it, it might take some time, but it's important that you view this as a 
is an opportunity. And if you can get excited about it, um, because people feed off of that and, um, it'll, people will perceive you as coming in from a place of power and, um, they're, they're more comfortable working with somebody who's in a place of like steady, calm, like single-mindedness. Um, and they're, they're doing this and they're excited about it. So if you're not there yet, that's fine. Don't email everyone. Don't call everyone <laughs> <laughs> and don't update a really long yeah. and specific post on LinkedIn. <laughs> Just <laughs> step back <laughs> and go, you know, take a kickboxing class or something. That's right. I I think as uh, from my own perspective, I think that there are, um, full disclosure, there are elements of that that I still have not overcome. Oh, yeah. Um, I, yeah, I think that there's certain situations and, and there have been some weird situations in my employment past um, that I'm still a little pissed off about, if I'm being completely honest. Fair. But it, yeah. it doesn't, it you know, uh, it doesn't dominate my daily mindset. Um, if anything, it's more of that, um, what's the saying, uh, the best revenge is success kind of thing. Yeah. A a life well lived. Yeah. It's, it's more of the fuel for, for powering me to get up and, and go do this each day and, and, um, you know, stick it to everybody else Yeah, by, by virtue of, of winning doing this. So, um, just a, a quick recap from last week's episode to kind of project or propel us into this week's episode. Uh, we got an entity set up. We we filed for our EIN with the IRS. We got our bank account set up. We got uh, a URL, email, and landing page um, all set up. And we started, uh, as we left last week, we started thinking about defining our village, uh, the people that know and trust us and the people that might be willing to go to bat for us. Um and, and, and our sphere of influence is what a lot of marketing people or salespeople would call that. And so we've been brainstorming then overnight um, who those people are and how we could show some form of generosity to them. And so now we've kind of, that's our mindset as we enter into this next phase and we're kind of, kind of going from there. Yeah, that's definitely true. So probably, I mean, just logistically, I would say uh, it makes sense to grab a phone number at this time. What do you think? Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, I think email goes a long way, especially if you're reaching out to personal contacts because they're going to already know how to get a hold of you anyways. Like, you know, you're probably not giving them your, your work number. True. Um, and, and so I think as we kind of get, we get through the season where we've built our village and we've reached out to the, to those folks, but you know, they're not going to more than likely, they're not going to immediately have work for us, right? There's going to, we're going to do that and we're going to be doing that over a period of time, but there's going to be a season where we're waiting for, for opportunities to to come about. And so I think that lull is uh, between making those first few marketing contacts, sales contacts to getting work from, you know, uh, harvesting the seeds that you planted is, is a wonderful time to, to come back around and kind of dot some T's and cross some lowercase J's and, and get some of the other details worked out. And I think things like uh, phone numbers, great suggestion, Sarah, uh, getting a work line um, and however you want to do that, whether it's uh, you know, a third party app or, or a real line um, you know, it, that's going to be one of those weird things where it, unless you're using a third party app, you're 
going to need to meet a guy to install or something, you know? Uh, yeah. Don't do that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, third party apps, definitely, uh, the way we have gone. So it just kind of depends on where you are in that radar. I will also suggest that, um, and this is a little bit of breaking news, but, um, last, I guess it's been three weeks ago now, uh, at the Apple event where they announced the new iPhones, uh, they, the new iPhones, have an ability to have multiple SIM cards in them. So you can um, hopefully in a matter of days from when you're hearing this episode. So cool. So current. <laughs> yeah. The breaking news. Do, 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 do. I know. I wish we had a, like a sound effect for that. Fix it in post, Rob. Fix it in post. <laughs> You'll be able to have two numbers on, on just your mobile phone. And so Sarah and I were talking before the show. That's something we're each pretty excited about. Um, those third-party apps are fine. They work great, um, but they're, they're not – it's not a uh, the premium experience that your real number is. And so assuming that lives up to the hype, um, that's that's probably something to, to certainly consider. Um, and that might just be a phone call, and then you've, you've got that set up. So um, definitely something to consider there. That's awesome. I agree. And that'll be amazing. One thing I've noticed lately is um, a connectivity problem where uh, the app I use drops calls when I have a good cell phone reception, but not good Wi-Fi, which probably some kind of setting situation, but it's just, it's not a perfect system. Um, so, so that would eliminate that and it would be amazing. It's not awesome. You know, the, the third party clients, whether, especially if you're like texting with your clients, which uh, uh, is becoming more and more commonplace, any of that kind of thing. Um, you know, you start to, you start to, to feel the, the um, inconsistencies there really quickly. That's true. And um, I made a kind of mistake. Hopefully other people could learn from because I started out with one third party app and they gave me a certain phone number and then I didn't like that app and went to a different one. And so for like six months I had one phone number and then it just disappeared, which is unfortunate because, um, there was no way to keep a hold of those calls in case somebody had programmed them into their phone, for instance. Um, I know Rob, you use Google voice or what do you use? Yeah, I use Google voice. And is that better? Could you keep, is there continuity there where you could, you know, keep, getting calls at the same number, no matter what. Yeah. So I know I've, I've been through this process with them and then one other, uh, app called line two, um, where there's actually the ability to port a number in or out of their services. I think I've done both with both services, but, um, so it's, it's possible. It's, it's certainly not easy and it's certainly not fun. Um, but it, it would be possible to take your number from one service and, and migrate it over to another. So, um, to flashback to the new iPhone feature, assuming that works out as advertised, something I will probably very likely do is try to port my number from Google voice over to my cell phone provider and see if I can keep that number and just get added, um, as that second number on my cell phone. That will be amazing. Um, that's a huge, huge difference. So hopefully people who are listening can do that, but 
either way, um, probably a good time to get to get the ball rolling on that. Um, like I've mentioned before, um, my cell phone is an area code from when I lived in Oklahoma. And so for me, getting a number was a little bit more important maybe because it's so clear that it's my cell phone if I call anyone, um, or they think it's, you know, some random call from out of state. So once you have that, you can, um, move on to getting a business card, which I know, uh, in Rob's world is super archaic, but for me is a real thing, um, that made it me able to seem like I was real to people. So, um, cause you have a phone number and an email address at this point and a business name, and that's all you need for a business card. Um, that's maybe more than you need. So I, I recommend Moo. M-O-O.com um, because they let you order. Uh, they have really cute, like eye-catching um, uh, pre-made designs. So you don't have to deal with like finding a logo or anything. And you can order in really small quantities, uh, which I highly recommend because you're going to change uh, pretty much everything. You don't have to figure out your whole branding scheme right now. You just need like 30 business cards. <laughs> so um do that if you want, if you're looking for a creative outlet and you don't have to spend a ton of money on it or anything. Yeah. And Sarah, how much time would you probably recommend someone put into their design or, you know, the aesthetics of these cards? None. There are these, um, that's why I think Moo is so smart. Um, because they have, uh, cards where if you, if you were just like, I get a lot of business cards too. You probably don't, Rob, <laughs> but I, I do. I, I have like, a, you know, just every coat and I just have tons of business cards. Um, and, uh, there are ones where people will be like, Oh, this is neat. I like it. It's really clever. Um, but all you have to do is fill in your contact information and it looks, you know, very professionally designed. It's very easy to do. And it is not necessary that you take any stylistic elements or, you know, have any, input on the style there, just choose a, a template <laughs> and get, you know, a small uh, number of them and then you can change it later. And then if your next batch of cards looks totally different, that's going to be fine. It's unlikely that you're going to be giving them to the same people. True. If you are, I think there's something wrong anyways. So yeah, <laughs> one card per person. <laughs> you already got yours. So if you, any, uh, if you have any stalkers, you may need to reconsider that. But otherwise, People who are collecting, um, that, that would be really, really boring hobby. <laughs> collecting business cards from just local professionals. Uh -huh. <laughs> There's a CPA I've been really wanting to get one from. <laughs> um, so I think what you had said at the beginning as well, Rob, about reaching out to your, to your village in a very organic way makes total sense. I think every single day during this process, you know, you have on your list, like today I'm going to get a phone number and business cards. And every day, I think you can set aside, you know, I'm going to reach out to three people that um, are on my list and just find something meaningful to send to three of the people. You don't have to pre-assign which three people. You can look at your list and say, which one of these, you know, people do I have something to say to? <laughs> mm -hmm. And then, you know, uh, shoot them an email or a LinkedIn message or phone call and your new phone number. Email, <laughs> mail them a card in the U.S. Postal Service. <laughs> don't do that. I maybe do that. I don't know. Just send them some memes via text. 
that would work. That's probably better than all of it. Like, just work on your gift. Spend the first two hours choosing the right gift, and then, <laughs> and then, and then you can get your cards from Moo.com. Um, there you go. Yeah. So this is bigger picture stuff because we've got the nuts and bolts figured out. So this is the two to ten days when you're thinking about um, really your branding strategy. Um, which based on my experience representing entrepreneurs and being one will change completely, <laughs> but you've got to have the first iteration in order to have the, the ultimate one. So, you know, considering your branding strategy, what you want to do differently, um, than, than your prior employer, um, and how you're going to do it. These are all big picture things that you need to start thinking about at this time. Yeah. And we've just for a little bit more context on that, we've done an episode about the mistakes we each made getting started. <laughs> and so, yeah, uh, if you need some encouragement on that front, you can go back and listen to that episode. Uh, much of what we're doing now from our individual practices was not our, our sole intent when we got started. So don't, uh, hold yourself to, to, uh, high of a standard here. Uh, just keep moving and, and, um, be active. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. This is the, the, and during this whole process, you have the shark rule, right? Like you have to keep moving forward or you'll drown. So mm, I like that shark week, <laughs> like, That's keep right. moving forward. Um, and so part of that is you, maybe you didn't intend to be here. Um, but that doesn't mean that you should have some temporary brand, right? Um, you don't have another job right now. This is your job. So you shouldn't, in my opinion, uh, half do it, right? Like coming across as a freelancer who's just doing this for a minute, um, is not the message to send out to people. If you want to be successful, I think if you're going to give this a true, uh, go, cause it could be something really successful that you want to keep doing you've got to throw yourself into it and and that should be part of your branding strategy is hey i'm doing this now not i'm doing this for now yeah i would totally agree with that and if and if you know being a freelancer isn't your long-term goal um i don't think this changes i think maybe you need to work into this plan some some of the activities you need to go acquire that next you know full-time job um, but you know, presumably if, if you're caring about any of these, it's because you know that you've got a, a gap to bridge or, you know, you, you've got a span of time, uh, between jobs that you need some income. And so, uh, I would, I would give it a hundred percent on that front because I, I think you're going to, uh, it's going to be time wasted if, if you're not really committed to, to trying to make it happen. Yes, absolutely. And when you're talking to people, if you have this, message of I didn't want to be here and I'm just waiting for the next thing. They're not going to take you seriously as a possible referral source. Um, so you're kind of, uh, damning yourself before you even begin. Um, so, uh, keep that in mind. It can be hard and it can feel disingenuous. I, I'd imagine I, I when I, wanted to do this. I was a hundred percent certain I wanted to do this in perpetuity, but I don't think it's disingenuous because you don't know yet. It, you know, if this is going to stick or if it's not. And, and tons of people go out like I have and said, you know, I'm going to be a solo or I'm going to do this. Um, and I love it. And this is what I want to do. But then they get an offer they can't refuse and, and they leave. Like everybody understands that nobody's going to be mad at you for <laughs> 
um, for accepting a sweet job in three months. Um, but you know, you have to prepare for every contingency and that job might not, uh, actually materialize. So putting everything into this one's the best use of your time. Um, and that means you need a brand and like a logo and a name. Uh, we talked about kind of a more generic business name just to get started and, um, getting a landing page, uh, in the last episode on day one, but this is a good time to start thinking about if you like what you started with, or if you want to do something more creative or, um, I don't know, more unique. And this is a time to, to, uh, start considering, um, not getting yourself in trouble by choosing a name, uh, that's going to make anyone angry because it's too similar to their own name. Yep. So that's something that I would recommend because I see a lot of companies that start up and they, um, they get really emotionally attached to a particular name. And even though there's a, another one existing, they go ahead with it and they sink time and, and money into branding that, um, only to get a cease and desist. And then they reach out and we say, yeah, they, they had it first, you know, and step back a little. So, uh, the rules of thumb, don't choose a name that somebody else is, is already using the more unique and more, um, you know, if it's your last name, you're probably safe, but you want something to be otherwise really unique. Strong ones are things like Oreo, which is a made up word to describe something or, um, Lyft, L Y F T or Uber, um, Google made up things are great, but, um, it depends on your, your industry, what makes sense for you. But certainly um, be savvy to intellectual property considerations throughout that process. And on your landing page, and as you build out a website, don't copy and paste uh, pictures or content from somebody else's website. You need to go and get, I know that this is like really basic and most people know this, but I can't possibly reiterate it enough. Um, do not copy and paste a Getty image onto your website. Um, when you're starting out, um, go get something that's like open source. Yeah, I would totally agree with that. And there's, there's several really good, um, services where you can get a lot of open source, uh, images and, uh, graphics, uh, illustrations, that sort of thing. Um, even if you have to pay kind of a nominal fee, there's a lot where they're free and there's a lot where you can get them very affordably. And, uh, that's a great way to go. What's your favorite? There's that one that has that guy with the man bun and the beard on all of them. Yeah. <laughs> Which yeah. one's Unsplash.com yeah. is a great one. Um, all of the business photos have this super hipster looking dude. Um, and I see him all over the web. Uh, it's great. Yeah. Um, Once you're tuned into it, you're like, oh, <laughs> this guy's everywhere. Yeah. You're like, oh, this guy again. Huh. Uh, Unsplash.com, huh? <laughs> Um, but yeah, their stuff looks really good and I use them quite often. Um, I'll make another recommendation to, um, there is a company or a website called Taylor brands, like Taylor, like Ooh. you would, you know, him, your pants, um, brands. And it's, it's kind of a logo generator where you can go in and you can put your company name and choose, you know, it, it kind of walks you through a questionnaire and at the end spits out a handful of possible logos. So if, if this isn't like your sweet spot, you know, and you just really need some sort of like icon in your name or, you know, some sort of like unique, but not, you know, world changing, uh, kind of design, uh, for your brand, it's a really good and affordable way to approach that. So, you know, combining this with, a with a mood.com and all of a sudden you're, you know, you, you're got a pretty legit looking, 
um, uh, set of marketing collateral. Oh, that's a really well articulated statement. And it's true. Like all of a sudden you're, you're in day three or four maybe, and you've got uh, marketing collateral to use your term. That's probably better than your prior, prior employer, which yeah. is pretty cool. <laughs> Brian Cossio, of course, a, a tiny fraction, but that helps you feel legitimate so that you can um, demonstrate that you are legitimate to other people which is really nice. So that's a good shout out. And then we've also used like Logo Shop or Logo Maker uh, before, Rob. Do you remember? Yep, which is a iOS, um, like an iPad app. Yeah, and then I actually got my first um, logo from a, a proper like graphic designer who I paid money to, which is also an option that I should throw out there. Yeah, yeah, that's a good way to go. It's it's just, it's um, as you're getting started, depending on your level of commitment, it can be a bit more expensive yeah. route to go. I mean, you can certainly find someone on like Fiverr or, you know, some, maybe, you know, somebody, but you know, before I would me personally, before I would invest money into something that's that, um, I'm putting a lot of time and energy and money into, I'm, I'm probably going to ride out some sort of templated approach for even the first couple of years until I've really solidified my business and my brand. Smart. And this is kind of also the point where you, you might be freaking out because day one was chock full of like activities where you did many productive things. And then you've got a couple of days after it where you don't have the structure and you, you think, oh gosh, <laughs> what am I doing? I'm unemployed. But carve out time and sit down and um, open up your calendar. And I mean, I recommend you know, part of the reaching out to your village thing be Hey, can I buy you coffee? Um, if somebody wants to talk to you or, you know, if somebody wants to meet up and, and they're saying, Hey, let's do lunch. Let's do dinner. It's okay to say, Oh, I'm busy for lunch and dinner, but how about coffee? Cause you can buy coffee. Um, and you're going to be doing a lot of that. So I kind of recommend being cheap if you can and buying lots of coffees for people. Um, at least in Denver, buying lunches for people can get really expensive and you don't have any income yet. I know that's kind of silly, but w what did you do Rob in that realm? Yeah, I I would totally second that. Um, for me, I, I had um, and and sometimes continue to have like uh, uh, health stomach stuff, and so uh, going out to eat in situations where it's a restaurant where the menu might not be friendly, or it's just uh, creates like an hour to hour and a half long thing that really doesn't need to take up that much of my time. Yeah. Um, I, I almost will always push for coffee because I mean, you can certainly have a two hour coffee if, if it's warranted where you can have a 30 minute coffee. And when you get on the meal train, you're kind of, you're committed to however long that takes. And so, um, you know, any, that flexibility, I always really appreciate. It's a, yeah, yeah, I, I like them. They're my preferred approach now. Happy hours are mostly for, for multiple people. Um, but I, like, I enjoy, uh, going out for coffee when you're starting out, you're going to have a very, very, very open schedule. Um, so it's a good time to say, Hey, I'm only going to do uh, networking meetings on uh, Tuesday, Thursdays or Wednesday, Thursdays or whatever. Um, because it, you're going to be planning several weeks out if you're like me, you know, I have things that I'm putting on the calendar that are social this week that won't actualize for six weeks. And um, if you if you keep doing that, you can get to that week and have 
like one coffee in some random time at a different place in town um, every single day of the week. And then you're kind of spending your whole day running around like a chicken with her head cut off and um, not getting any work done, which you might actually have some work to do by then. So uh, also setting a couple days that you're doing these meetings in or, or time frames that you're doing them in will make you seem more legitimate because you're not just like, yeah, just literally anytime. Just just name the time and I'll be there. You can be really flexible, which you should also use to your advantage when it makes sense. But you don't want to seem like you really have nothing at all happening. <laughs> any any way to kind of seem to, to protect against that kind of desperate feeling is probably a good thing. I'll make one other re- recommendation for, for a good use of time, I think, uh, during the season. And I think this serves two good purposes. One it gets helps you get your mind right and two keeps you busy if if you're kind of in a place where you're starting to freak out a little bit yeah um and i i think that is considering doing some content marketing um writing some some posts uh not even necessarily for your website but uh maybe stick them on medium or do some of linkedin's long form articles uh if you're not familiar you can you know, post like a status update to LinkedIn, but you can also write more long form articles and publish them. And, um, they often perform really well. And, and so I think doing some things like that are, uh, those kind of tasks are really difficult to do when you're traditionally employed because it's, they require time, you know, they don't really require money, but they require time. And, and that's often the more limited resource. Yeah. And so if you find yourself with, with time to give, that can be an excellent way to get in front of, you know, a couple hundred people with, with a very topical and, and hopefully uh, relevant and helpful article that, that starts to can be a passive way to kind of remind everyone that you're on your own and, and be kind of a passive way to kind of introduce this new phase of your life. From a structuring of your day a perspective, it feels, at least in my industry, um, since researching and, and analyzing and writing is kind of what lawyering is, um, it was a really helpful way for me to feel productive and like I was working and stay sharp mentally and um, revisit some topics that, that I hadn't done in, in a while, uh, brush up, but, but not just you know, mindlessly troll the internet, you're, you're creating something that uh, provides real value and then will probably bring in clients. And also, as I understand it, although I'm not the expert on that at all, um, you know, once you're posting that kind of content that, that helps your SEO marketability from that perspective. Yeah. Yeah. At some point you'll probably want to transition some of this stuff to your website for SEO reasons. Um, and, and kind of the two schools of thought there really briefly is you can go post it to standalone sites like medium and LinkedIn, and they are ultimately getting the SEO value and they are ultimately getting the visitors, the traffic, but you're exposing yourself to a community of people that might not otherwise interact with you at all. Or two, you could post that on your own website and you could hope to retain the traffic and the value of that content, but it's largely going to be to a much smaller audience. And so it, it's a trade-off as to which route you go. But I think at this stage of, of the business, I would, I would strongly consider posting on some third-party places because you're, you're really trying to get yourself in front of new faces. And, 
and you know, you can always go back and add it to your website later. Um, once you get the site up to a place where, you know, there's a blog and, and that kind of content makes sense. Um, but I think for the time being posting them on some third party sites and maybe at the end of the article, putting like one paragraph about who you are and how you can be contacted, some sort of approach like that is, is a, a great way to go. That's brilliant. And then you kind of get to recycle them later, which really is uh, wildly helpful. It seems like you would have all the time in the world to write blog posts and you could write like 10 of them a day and just have this huge like cache of them somewhere um, and use later. But there actually takes a lot more time and energy than you would expect. And you're going to run out of time and energy um, sooner than you would expect to do this. So take advantage of the time you do have. Um, and this is also a really good time for the few people that this applies to, or actually quite a few, um, now that you're set up and you have a bank account and um, uh, the appearance of legitimacy, um, it's a very good time, if you haven't already, to think about ways that you can market yourself to your immediately former employer. Um, a lot of people are able to bridge the gap a little bit that way if there was a pending project they were working on when they left, and they can say, well, you know... It doesn't have to be all or nothing. Look, I'm going out on my own. I still know everything about that case or that client. Uh, be happy to see that through until you get another person um, hired. Uh, you can just pay me hourly. We can work something out. Um, if there's any way that you can uh, leverage your your know-how to kind of bridge that gap and get just even a um, relatively small hourly rate out of it, um, a lot of people do that and are able to, you know, build a more successful freelancing, um, setup for it. Have you ever had any experience with that, Rob? As you're saying that it's making me think, you know, you could work as a vendor to your current employer. I would imagine in a lot of settings too, you could also work as a vendor to some of your previous coworkers. Ooh. Like if there, if there are spots in the business where you know that certain people are hiring contractors or outsourced labor to fill specific needs. If, if that works for you, that's, that's another place that you might consider too, if, if it's in your sweet spot of what you offer, because you're automatically going to have rapport and trust built with those, you know, former coworkers. And that might be a good place to, to get a little bit of spillover work too, that gets you moving. I love that idea. And I mean, maybe that's a conversation you want to have as you're going out the door. But from my perspective, by having all of this set up and making it clear, I'm doing this now, um, you know, with a lot of confidence, you're going to come from a place of a lot more confidence and they be considered a lot more legitimately if you uh, kind of bring up those conversations after you're out on your own or, or send over a proposal or whatever. Um, don't, don't let pride get in the way of that. Uh, if you can help it. <laughs> yeah. And Sarah, I'll ask you a question, uh, to get your, um, non-legal advice, um, advice, uh, cause it's not legal advice. What is it about non-competes? <laughs> well, what are some things that people should keep in mind? If you're, if you find yourself in that, that weird between, of, you know, maybe you're not packing the box at your desk, right? but maybe you know that that day is very close on the horizon. You know, for our listeners, are there any stumbling blocks that you see that, that people might fall into during that season? Like maybe something their employer wants them to sign, or maybe something that they might do that might be unethical, uh, unknowing. Sure. Um, anything to add there? Yeah. 
Well, the first thing you want to do uh, is make sure you have a copy of everything you have signed um, to that point. So um, any employment agreement or independent contractor agreement or employee handbook acknowledgement form, uh, you want a copy of the entire agreement, not just your signature page, because you're obligated according to what is in that. And it might say you have agreed to keep all the information you've learned essentially at your um, job confidential. And, and if it says that, you need to know that because you want to do that. It might say that you can't compete um, by hiring um, any uh, or working for any client of your uh, former company for like two years or something, but it might say for two weeks, you know, you just don't know until you read it. Um, don't assume that non-competes are, are um, not enforceable because that's not the case in most jurisdictions. Um, and then all, just, yeah, knowledge is power. So <laughs> just know what it says. And goodness, if you're on the way out and they offer, I mean, they ask you to sign something, I, there's very few occasions under which it's appropriate uh, to do, to pile on additional obligations under yourself um, for somebody who's just fired you. Um, and, and those are usually limited to them paying you a bunch of money. So, um, that's a good time to have a lawyer as well. Uh, look at whatever uh, somebody's trying to sign and uh, get you to sign. And, and certainly, um, if somebody, if you don't want to do that and you're on the spot, always ask what happens to me if I don't agree to sign this, what, you know, what, then what? <laughs> what if I say no? And then ask them to put that in writing for you. So at least you have something to take to your lawyer. I mean, it's a case by case analysis and covering a lot of different things that could happen. But, um, you know, knowing what your obligations are is really important because um, it'll inform the way you proceed. Um, a lot of the things that you might have created uh, at your company are owned by you unless you've assigned them to the company. So that's the kind of stuff that you'll understand when you look at what you've signed. If you've not signed anything, um, you want to stay away from any claims that you're stealing company property, obviously. But usually you can take a cue from from other people who've left as to what's going to be considered normal and kind of uh, try to uh, keep your head low as much as possible. Yeah, so I would imagine the biggest takeaway there is just recognizing that probably at this step in the game, you and your employer are not on the same team anymore. Correct. You know, where when you worked there, it was one thing, but now, um, you know, anything they might ask you to sign, anything they might ask you to consider, like getting some third-party advice or someone to look over that for you is not out of line because you're not in a, you know, you're you're in a potentially adversarial relationship now. Absolutely. And those are those are negotiation pieces. So if they want anything from you, um, whether it's a transition help for a couple weeks after the last day you get paid or, you know, whatever they're asking, um, you don't have to give it to them. They're not paying you. So uh, you want to make sure that you keep that in mind. So uh, that if you're bringing up, for instance, um, an alternative structure where you help them as a freelancer, um, you're aware of the kind of bargaining chips that you're dealing with, if that makes sense. So 
don't run afoul of any of your legal obligations right out of the gate. Cause usually it's just not necessary or called for in a situation like this, but also, um, recognize, like you said, they're, they're not on your team and you have rights, um, including to, for instance, get paid for your work and things like that. Um, so for the most part, people, um, leave jobs every day under all kinds of circumstances and it ultimately resolves in an amicable way. And certainly in 2018, when we're recording this, the, the economy is such that that's more often the case than any other year even. So you're going to be fine. They're going to be fine, but don't be afraid to stand up for yourself. I'll throw one more just really briefly. Um, another place I think you can get sucked into spending a lot of time that might be a, a priority now that we're in the second phase of life is figuring out your like uh, bookkeeping software, your invoicing software, all that kind of stuff. Um, hopefully before too long, you've got projects and you've got uh, bills to send and, and that sort of thing. And so, um, you know, now's in that downtime while you're waiting for, for clients to, to get back with you and for things to materialize. It's, it's a great time to kind of get some of that, um, back office stuff set up. All right. Yeah. That's, this is the time for, for that. Um, because of the price, if invoicing software cost a billion dollars, this would not be the time for it, but you know, you can get a good invoicing software for like $30 a month or between 30 and 50, you can get a good one. So, um, that just do that. <laughs> um, and then you don't have to worry about the transition. I've, I've known many freelancers who send out their first couple of invoices as a Microsoft word document, you know, printed as PDF and attached an email. And that's fine. That's still fine. Um, but it's just not really that necessary since it's so affordable to get, um, an invoicing software set up so that you can send them out automatically. And then you'll be able to track your metrics all in one place. Um, and there's elsewhere that we've talked about the invoicing softwares that we've used and liked. Um, but, uh, I started out with FreshBooks. I'm now with Clio. Um, there's many good options out there. Just pick one and then move forward like a shark. <laughs> and we'll, uh, we'll include a link to our, uh, episode we did on money, which where we unpack that in much greater detail, um, which reminds me, Sarah, where can people find show notes for this episode? Oh my gosh, that's such a good question. Unfederated.studio. I'm so glad I knew the answer. Whew. I'm sorry to put you on the spot like that. Yeah, that was really uncomfortable. Don't let it happen again. <laughs> cool. Any other things that uh, you feel like folks should consider during this phase? We've we've covered a lot of ground. Um, I think it's just the big picture stuff. It's time to, to treat yourself right. Don't forget to take care of yourself. This is a hard time and... Even that you don't have to sit in front of a computer eight hours every day just to make yourself feel better. It's okay to get up and uh, go for a walk and, and prioritize exercising and eating right. Um, the work will almost certainly come. So uh, take advantage while you still can. I think in the season for me, I recognized, and I'll, I'll mention this kind of uh, on as, as we close, I so much of how I thought about marketing and how I thought about um, branding was really about branding my former employers than it was about me as an individual, you know, like Absolutely. the sales pitch and the client meeting, that sort of thing was often selling the bigger entity ver uh, versus just myself. And, 
And so I think it took me a, a, a season of transition to, to change my thinking there and, and be more bold and confident and selling myself. And so if you haven't, um, if you're in this phase and you haven't, you know, had those meetings yet, but they're coming soon, I'd, I'd give some thought to that. Maybe, maybe run through kind of your spill with a, a friend or a spouse or something and, and try to get comfortable with that because, you know, you don't want to go to the, get, get an at bat and strike out. You want to, you want to be ready for it. So, um, you know, that would be one other thing that you could definitely spend some time working on and thinking through before, before your big, your big moment. Your big reveal. I like that a lot. I think this is an exciting time. So anybody who's listening to this, who it applies to, I commend you um, and wish you the best of luck. Yeah, for sure. Uh, harness that that energy into, into something good and, and make the most of it. Let us know what we missed. Uh, what would you add days two through 10 of being suddenly solo? Yeah, we'd love to hear from you. You can hit the contact button on unfederated.studio and that goes to both of us. And so send us your thoughts and we'll, we'll follow up in a future episode. Yay. All right. Well, have a good week, Rob. All right. You too. Good chatting. Right. See ya. Bye.